Welcome into the Autzen Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prame, Eric Scopel on the show as always. And on today's show, we are going to be discussing a list that was released earlier this week or this month by Pro Football Focus. And it popped an interesting question. What is the expectation at Oregon for the quarterback, whoever it is? Should they should should Oregon every year have what's viewed as a top 10 quarterback or a top 25 quarterback in the country? Because Pro Football Focus, they released their their rankings of every starting quarterback or starting quarterback situation going into the 2021 college football season. And how they got here, I'm going to quote, read this from Pro Football Focus. With the help of PFF's college advanced database, we can pr- proceed to answer that question. Taking into account each projected player's, each projected starter's play-by-play grading profile and several other data points, in addition to film and scheme review, here are PFF's annual college football quarterback ratings for all 130 programs. Uh, along with rankings, each, each situation from 1 to 130, the quarterbacks are grouped into tiers, to provide further context on where each school stands entering the fall Uh, schools that have not named a starter uh, those programs, the situation as a whole was taken into account. And these rankings also do not account for NFL potential tier one is the elite groups. These are the, you know, the blue chip passers of college football, Heisman front runners, the guys who are going to, you know, they are going to turn TVs on because everyone wants to watch them. Uh, High ceiling quarterbacks, guys, uh, that have multiple seasons of high-level play at their schools um, or that flash that ability you know, in previous years of, as a backup um, can push for that tier one level. Um, tier number three is the next group here. And I'm scrolling down to find tier three because there's a lot of guys in tier two here. Um, tier three is good but not great. Uh, the various forms of wide range of ceilings. Some are more inexperienced, but have the potential to jump to the tier two group. Um, while some of them are also scheme dependent or limited in some fashion, but have executed their respected offenses at a quality level. Um, tier four, we haven't gotten to an Oregon quarterback yet. Tier four is listed as the average quarterbacks. They're right in the middle of their peers. Some of some of them had little experience. Some of them have consistently been average. Um, some of them have flash seller play, but then I've also been really, really poor at sometimes. Um, and then tier five is the need to improve or more reps. The quarterbacks in this group likely aren't leading explosive offenses in 2021. There's some long-term hope for teams with fresh new starters, but short-term confidence remains low for these quarterback situations. Similar to the tier above, they aren't going to be responsible for their teams having immense success without help from elite supporting casts on both sides of the football. And this is where we find Oregon's quarterbacks in tier five. And it's staggering to me, the first sentence, the quarterbacks in this group likely aren't leading explosive offenses in 2021. Anthony Brown, Ty Thompson, check in at number 79 in the country. They are the highest rated group in tier five. So they are really close to that tier four average level, but it kind of surprised me, Eric, to see Oregon all the way at tier five. 
Um, tier six is the lowest one needs significant improvement. And there are not a lot of power five schools in tier six. There are a handful in tier five, which includes the Oregon ducks, which is to me, I was a little surprised that Oregon has their quarterback situation in this spot. And it led to me wondering like, what is a fair expectation for Oregon every single year? Uh, better than this for starters. Um, and I think it will be better. Hey, I think in 2021, Oregon will be better than about 80th nationally at the quarterback position. And I think 2021, sorry, 2022 and, and beyond. And I don't even know who's going to be the starter. If it's going to be Ty Thompson, if it's going to be Jay Butterfield, if it's going to be Robbie Ashford or not, but one of those guys is going to be a heck of a lot better than the number 79. And I think that's right there. <laughs> like, honestly, if, if you had to pick a tier, which maybe is just a better way of going about doing this. Like probably Oregon shouldn't have a, a starting quarterback below tier three. Um, you know, I think tier three is probably about where you want to be every year at worst. That's the good, not great spot. Right. Um, I think below being below that is, is, is not good and speaks to the quarterback position at a school. Um, this is a weird circumstance for Oregon be, for a variety of reasons. A like, well, like, let's see, where's, where's Tyler Shuck on this list? By the way, Tyler Shuck is 69th on this list, according to Pro Football Focus, and that's in Tier 4. Um, I bring that up just to say, like, that, that, that might be why I'm a little bit confused on the ranking. And, there's a, and, I, and, and I don't want to diminish what Pro Football Focus did because they put a lot right. more time than I, than I am going to now or Matt is going to of an, analyzing this, of looking through film. I just find it hard to believe that people would have watched those last couple of games and come away thinking Shuck is a better quarterback in 2021 than, than Anthony Brown or Ty Thompson will be in, in part because I think it was clear that Shuck left because he wasn't sure he was better than those guys to be the starter. So there's just a, a, a point I made at the top. Um, but back to the original question, like, yeah, I, I, I think, I think Oregon at quarterback, if they want to win conference championships and compete for national championships, you need someone in tier three. And frankly, like if you want to be the program you think you should be, you really should be tier one and tier two as many years as possible. And I'm not saying there's not a year where you have a down season that happens. You know, you think back to, you know, the last decade and you had the Darren Thomas to Marcus Mariota. There's no real big drop off there. Those are both top quarterbacks. But after Mariota, you had the weird year where you had to bring in Vernon Adams. And then the year after that, you had to bring in Dakota Prukop. Um, and those are instances where you had to go to a smaller school to bring guys up and probably fall below the top couple of tiers there. Um, I guess, I guess my question to you, Matt is like, did you, did you think 79 felt fair? And regardless of, if you thought fair, like, I don't think there's any way Oregon was going to have a top three tier guy this year based upon the way these rankings are, are, are composed. And is that, is that, do you think, a big enough problem or concern that you think this team maybe woefully underachieves because of it? I think I was underwhelmed. I was expecting for them to be in the next group, Tier 4, because Anthony Brown at Boston College fits right into what I feel like the, the, the description of the average is. These college quarterbacks rank right in the middle of their peers, some of them have hardly shown an ability to produce at a quality level and are consistently average. And then there are others who have flashed stellar play, but then negated it with poor performances. The signal callers in this tier need elite supporting cast on both sides of the ball if their teams are having big years. I think Anthony Brown is like, because of injury, the second part of that. 
There are others who have flashed stellar play, but then negated it with poor performances. Like he's had some really good games at Boston college and he's had some really bad games at Boston college. So I was kind of, I was expecting him to be here in tier four. Um, So it's surprising to me that they're in tier five, but you also look at it as like, really what's the difference between 78 and 79 when you get to this far down the list of college quarterbacks, probably not a lot. So it feels like Oregon's got a high ceiling to move up these rankings, but from an expectation standpoint, I look at Oregon, Eric, and I almost think knowing the type of recruits that they have, knowing the tradition and the history that they have at minimum, they should be tier three. And, and really at minimum, they should be like, Oregon should feel the quarterback that is probably a top 40 quarterback in the country every single year, whether he's had a year of experience starting before, or he's coming into his first year as a starting quarterback. The, the expectation should be that, Hey, this guy has either done it before the year, the year before and was pretty darn good and is viewed as a top 40 quarterback at minimum or the guy that's coming in that's going to win the job was such a high-profile recruit that so many schools wanted and was scouted and evaluated as an elite player that we know he's just going to work out. He might have some bumps in the road his first year, and he might be in that you know 30 to 40 range his first year, but once he gets into his groove, he's going to climb up the rankings and be more like a top 30 guy in the, in the country. I think that is the expectation at Oregon is that you need to have a quarterback every year. That's a top 40 quarterback in the country. And I'm with you that you can't say that right now going in, going into 2021. It, it could they, could they go that way? Sure. I could, I could see it go that way, but it, it's you're, you're going to be an extreme Homer. If you think this quarterback room right now is a top 40 quarterback room in the country based off what we've seen. There's just not enough evidence. Frank, you know, we don't know. Anthony Brown hasn't been healthy enough in his career. He hasn't played frankly enough at Oregon. The younger guys haven't played at all in games. So I understand where Oregon's ranked. Um, I probably am a little more optimistic, maybe be just because I, (laughs) I, I, this is the team I cover and I spend a lot of time thinking about it. And in part, because like there are some guys on the tier right above where Brown and Thompson are listed that are frankly, I don't know if the, I don't know if I would agree. Like, let me read you five names that are pick fifty nine through seventy four. And those are actually sorry, six names, and those are quarterbacks just ahead of Oregon. Um, Chase Garbers at Cal, no issue with that. That seems fair. Um, here's one that's going to really infuriate some Oregon fans listening. <laughs> How about sixty one? Braxton Burmeister at Virginia Tech. Braxton Burmeister at Virginia Tech, who. I think a lot of people were very, very critical of his play. And for a good reason, a couple of years ago, I think circumstantially, I felt bad for Braxton. I thought he was thrown into almost an impossible spot when Herbert went down and had basically had no practice, but we saw what he did at Oregon. And there's a couple of years, you know, removed here. So maybe he's really improved, but that one right there, you look at the list and it kind of like, I think in your head sort of invalidates some of it just because of how poorly he performed at Oregon. Um, and then 69 is, is like I said earlier, Tyler Shock at Texas Tech, another quarterback who played at Oregon, frankly, didn't do very well and, and took off. Um, and then three more here that are just above Oregon. Charlie Brewer at Utah. Jaden Daniels at Arizona State being at 72, by the way, feels really low. I yes. thought he was maybe that's just I mean, maybe I'm just obsessed with his really, really good game against Oregon a couple of years ago where they knocked off the Ducks and, and ended college football playoff hopes. But that seems low. 
Um, and then this is another one that I think is a little bit perplexing and it's Oregon state being at 74. Um, they think Oregon state with Tristan Jebbia and Sam Neuer uh, is a better quarterback situation than Anthony Brown and Ty Thompson and, and the group at Oregon. So I, I found a couple of those to be confusing. Like I would have probably had Daniels in, in my head if I was doing a list, Daniels and Garber's higher on this list and probably have had a couple of the guys that have transferred from Oregon and Oregon state quarterbacks below. But again, this is a list that these guys have, have put together and they, they certainly have watched more tape on all these guys than I have. I'm just going off of what I've seen in games. I've watched where Oregon was involved in maybe a couple of games, you know, just watching games as, as a fan and you know, late at night, but, I don't know. Like, were you surprised to see both Burmeister and Shuck ahead of Oregon? And then even Gebbia, not that I think he was bad last year, but I didn't watch the Oregon, Oregon state game and think that guy's going to be like anything special. Yeah. I mean, I was a little surprised that Oregon had um, a quarterback below those guys, but like at the same time, and this kind of goes back to my argument of, like we don't really know what to expect that quarterback because we didn't see anything from Anthony Brown until the last two games. And it really wasn't the last until the last game, the Fiesta bowl, when we really got to see everything and it was hit or miss. Sure. And so yeah. Yeah. like, I don't know if that one game sample size was the true indicator of who he is, or, you know, maybe he's leaps and bounds better now because he has had a spring football and he did get every single rep with the ones and Joe Moorhead has now had the ability to throw in the entire um, offense in the spring football. Um, so I, I, sorry, at, at one point I'm like, ah, that, that's underrated. At the other time, I'm kind of like, kind of makes sense. Yeah. And then like I, Eric, I don't know if Ty Thompson would be the guy I would list no. as the, for sure. Number two. I mean, I'll, I almost would go Robbie Ashford. I mean, but Butterfield saw the second snaps in the spring game. So yeah. like, you've got a lot of options here and, and I don't, I, but like, and I guess, I guess maybe my reaction to this and, and sort of feeling quote unquote slighted by some of the picks above is that is just a reaction to what you were saying earlier, where it feels like Oregon is a program that shouldn't have a quarterback ranked 79th, you know, yes. like that should not be the, the set of, like, and maybe that illustrates the point we were making earlier of like, where should Oregon be best is like, I feel like Oregon shouldn't have what, PFF thinks is the eighth best quarterback situation going into a season. That just shouldn't be the case. And so maybe I'm reacting to that thinking like they should be higher than that, but I think you're right, Matt. And I think maybe this is the hard part and the way it gets a little complicated is like, I, I, I want to believe in Anthony Brown. I thought he was, I, I haven't seen anything that leads me to believe he's a below average quarterback. I, I think he's good, but not great. Um, which is why I think he'd fit at the tier above the one he's in um, or maybe even a couple above, but I also haven't seen enough to really, really state claims to it. Like, am I really going to die on the hill of like Anthony Brown right. is better than eighth of the quarterback in the country when he's thrown like what, 12 passes at Oregon. And like a couple of them weren't great. And some of them are really good. I, I don't want to diminish some of the decisions he's made because he had some good plays, but like he wasn't exactly perfect out there. And he certainly wasn't Marcus Mariota or Justin Herbert either. So um, I think, I think I'm largely just, you know, quibbling with some of the rankings above above Brown and, and Thompson and Oregon as a whole because it just feels like that's not where they should be. Um, and frankly, I do think the ceiling from that group, whoever ends up being the guy, and we think it's Brown, is higher than some of the names I mentioned. I just have a hard time seeing the player Brex Burmeister again. Maybe he's grown a lot in the last couple of years. I want to root for him and hope he has. But like, I just that's a hard sell to me that he's going to be significantly better or, or 18 spots better than – whatever Oregon has at quarterback that just doesn't really add up in my mind. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's an interesting dynamic. And then here's another one. I'm going to throw this is 
last podcast, you threw something at me without uh, me yes. being prepared. I'm going to do the same thing to you. Um, the Dodge Trophy watch list was announced this week, and that is given out to the top coach in the country. Um, it's a preseason watch list, so you know we can we can we can see uh, names be added to the list down the road. But Mario Cristobal was it's an award that's given out to three pillars of success: scholarship, leadership, and integrity. Mar- Mario Cristobal was not named to this list. Uh, Jimmy Lake is the only Pac-12 coach to be named to this list. Kind of surprising Cristobal is not on there. How many coaches in total are on the list? Like 16 maybe? I don't know. Uh, This is the first I'm hearing of this, so I really don't have any. coaches, 17. Tom Allen from Indiana, Mac Brown, North Carolina, Matt Campbell from Iowa State, Jamie Chadwell from uh, Coastal Carolina, Paul Christ from Wisconsin, Ryan Day from Ohio State, Kirk Ferentz from Iowa, Jimbo Fisher from Florida State, which is not right. That is Texas A&M. Yeah, what the uh, heck? <laughs> James Franklin from Penn State, Brian Kelly from Notre Dame, Jimmy Lake from Washington, Dan Mullen from Florida, Lincoln Riley from Oklahoma, Nick Saban from Alabama, Kirby Smart from Georgia, and Dabo Sweeney from Clemson. Um I, so I don't, I don't understand that list at all. If you're talking about, I mean, and again, maybe I'm misunderstanding the qualifications that are considered. Now you said it was three t- pillars. And I think I understand what those pillars mean. I would think Mario Cristobal would be on that list. I just have a hard time. Like, okay. If, if, if maybe Mario Cristobal shouldn't be on the list, I, I would say he should, but if the only PAC 12 coach is going to be Jimmy Lake, I just don't understand that. That makes no sense to me. Like I would think of all the coaches in the PAC 12, like the first name I went to is like, where's Kyle Whittingham at Utah. Yeah. Like, I mean, that guy's probably pound for pound one of the most underrated guys nationally. Maybe that's why he's not on a list like that. But he's consistently puts Utah in a position to win. And honestly, like, if you were going to – I think Oregon is in a great spot with who their coaches. But if there was a coach in the Pac-12, you asked me who, like, if I if you had to twist my arm, gun to my head, who would I trade for? It would be Whittingham over anyone else in the league, probably by a fair margin right now. Maybe David Shaw would be in the discussion too. But it just feels weird to include Lake based on four games. I know they went three and one in those games. But they were all – I think all at home – Four uh, and they went, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just, I don't understand why Jimmy Lake's on, on the list over anyone else in the conference at this point. I don't think he's accomplished enough. So, again, maybe I'm misinterpreting the, the qualifications and kind of the standard to get there. But, like, that doesn't make sense to me that he would be on that list over Mario Cristobal, but even over guys like I mentioned, like a Kyle Whittingham, who's basically got the youths competing for a conference championship every season. And, and is doing it in a school that is, is, I think, more challenging than either Oregon or Washington. Um, that guy deserves more credit than Lake from my vantage point to this point. And I don't want to make this an Oregon-Washington thing. I have a lot of respect for what Washington's done. I just don't think I've seen enough from Jimmy Lake to, to say he's one of the 17th best coaches going, to the, going into a season. We'll end the podcast here. More, What's more likely? Oregon ends up having a top 30 quarterback or Mario Cristobal being listed in this list at the end of the year that's a really good one matt uh that's way more challenging than the question i threw you on the mailbag so <laughs> I, I i i think i owe you one later um i'm gonna go with cristobal i i, I do i do just think like there is a scenario where where this plays out and oregon has again a season where they win the conference they maybe lose two total games but that that's that right there is enough to be considered the top coach from the Pac-12, and he gets on a list. I probably am just a little bit more skeptical of Anthony Brown's ceiling being 
that good. And honestly, maybe the way Oregon gets to a top 30 quarterback is if it's somebody else. Um, but I, so I'll take, I'll take crystal ball over the quarterback room. That's kind of where I would land too. I think. Yeah. It's a tough um, one. I just think, I think it's more likely Oregon as a team has higher success than Oregon individually at the quarterback position has success. I agree. I agree. It's going to do it for us here on the Austin and audibles podcast. Thank you for listening to the show. And until then, you've been listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. Talk to you later, folks.